John's Gospel, chapter 11, please. And if you cast your eye to verse 28, John's Gospel, chapter 11, and verse 28. And when she had said, or so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. The Master is come and calleth for thee. Well, I'm glad tonight that I have a testimony to give. And although Bertie asked me, uh, I don't really like talking about myself or telling my own testimony, but tonight I want to do it for two reasons. I want to do it for the glory of God. I want to stand here tonight just as a tribute of what God can do in a life. And I want to do it also to encourage the people of God. And I want to really encourage you tonight to keep praying for your family members, to keep holding on. The reason why I'm here tonight is because men and women prayed. The reason why I'm here tonight is because men and women laid hold of God for me. And friends, he can do the very same in your family. Well, I was brought up and born in a Christian home, born in 1988. And I was born into a godly home. I was born into a family where my mother and father were God-fearing. You don't hear that much today. You don't hear that terminology being used much today. But my mother and father were men, a man and a woman that feared God. And from my earliest memories, I can remember being sent to the gospel meetings, being sent to the Sunday school and hearing my need of a savior, knowing that I had a soul to be saved. But you know, dear friends, I want to impress this upon your heart tonight. I wasn't a Christian because I was born in a Christian home. And maybe there's someone here tonight and you think that you're on your way to heaven just because your parents are saved. Or because your family members are saved, you think tonight all is well with you. But I'm not a Christian tonight because of my mother and father. Not because they were saved. But I want to tell you about the encounter that I had with God. And I learned from an early age of the need to be saved. The need to be born again. And I wonder, have you ever made that discovery? We're living in a world of mass discovery. We're living in a world where men and women are discovering more and more every day. But I want to tell you, dear men and women here tonight, the greatest discovery that any man or woman can ever make is the discovery that we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. One of the greatest discoveries that you'll make is that the religion can't save you. Being a good man or woman can't save you. Going to your church will not save you. What you need to discover is not only that you're a sinner, but there's a Savior. A Savior. And I remember going along to the little gospel hall Sunday school in Cookstown and hearing the message of the gospel week after week, being pushed out the door on a Wednesday night maybe just to give my mother and father a bit of peace. Do you know what it was at eight years of age? I remember around that time having an awesome fear in my heart. Having a fear in my heart that the Lord Jesus could come back and I would be left behind. What did you ever think about that? 
You see, dear friends, as we sit in this meeting tonight, the Lord is on his way back. He's coming back. The Lord Jesus said in John 14, If I go, I will come again. And he's going to come suddenly. He's coming in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And if you're not saved tonight and he comes, it'll be too late. There'll be no time to get ready. There'll be no time to repent. There'll be no time to get born again. You'll be gone, left behind. And there's three words that ring in my mind whenever I think of the Lord coming back. Thinking that you're a loved soul and you're lost but to be left, left behind. And I remember many nights around that age of eight years of age, many nights running into my mother and father's bedroom just to see if they were still there. Just opening the door as a young boy and just looking in just to see if they were there. And then going back to my bed. I wonder what you're going to do whenever you go into your parents' room and they're not there. I wonder what you're maybe as a young man or a young woman in this meeting tonight and you've heard the message of the gospel and you've heard everything that I have heard. You know the Lord's on his way back. You know that you're not saved. You know that he's coming back suddenly in a moment. And if he came back tonight at this very moment, you'd be left behind. That used to terrify me. Left. Left behind. Well, it was in that period of eight years of age, I remember coming home from a meeting and telling my dad I wanted, to, I wanted to become a Christian. I wanted to be saved. That's all I knew about it. And you know, at eight years of age, I got down, I remember it so well, in a little living room in Four West on Crescent, down beside the sofa. And I remember my father was kneeling beside me. And I remember I prayed a little prayer. I wonder, did you ever pray a little prayer? And you know, dear friends, I, I honestly don't know if I was saved or not. I honestly don't know. I, I wouldn't like to say that I'm standing here tonight just depending on that little prayer whenever I was eight years of age. Because our land tonight is full of men and women that are just depending on a little prayer. Depending on a little profession. Depending on a little prayer that they uttered up as a young boy or as a young girl, but... There's no change. No difference. God's not real. Just going through the mechanics of life. And at eight years of age, I got down beside my father and prayed a little prayer. Well, I don't know if I was saved or not. I wonder, have you made a profession? I was thinking during the week that hell tonight is full of men and women that made a profession. Hell at this very moment is licking the feet of men and women brought up in Christian homes, gone to Christian churches, heard the message of the gospel, made a profession, and died in their sin. And at this very moment, they're in a lost eternity. And I want to say to every soul in this meeting tonight, as a dying man to dying man, don't put all your soul's weight on a, a profession. Don't do it. I'll tell you, friends, I wouldn't like to have died in those early years of my life. I wouldn't like to have done it. Just having a profession, just having a prayer. And there's many times when I have come home from funerals, and I'll share this with you. 
And they've been people and they've been good people and, and they've went to their church and they've, they've done everything that a Christian ought to do. And you know, there's been times when I've come home from funerals and I've maybe said to my wife or to a family member, I wonder were they really saved? I wonder did they really have it? Well, let me say this to you tonight, dear friends. If you don't think you have it, you definitely don't. You don't. And I'm concerned for this meeting tonight. Because I can honestly say as a man that has been alone with God, I believe there's souls in this meeting. And you're on your way to a lost eternity. And all you have is a profession. All you have is a little prayer. Well, I went on. Kept going to the meetings. Sent to Sunday school. You know, whenever I went through into primary school and went up into high school, there was something inside me that began to grow. Began to grow. You see, I never had to be told how to steal. I never had to be told how to lie. I never had to be told how to take God's name in vain because that all just came so naturally. Even while my mother told me it was wrong, even while my parents told me I shouldn't, there was something inside began to grow. It's called the old nature of sin. And I want to say to every man and woman in this meeting tonight, you may have lovely clothes on, and you may have plenty of money in your bank, and you may be very religious, and you may have all the outward regalia, but I want to say to your men and women tonight that you were born a sinner. You were born separated from God. And that old nature of sin in my life began to grow. It began to flourish. I used to hear young men at school saying dirty jokes. Never heard them before. I remember hearing them talking about nights out. I had never heard any of that language before. I used to hear them talking about the pleasures of the world. And I had never heard any of that before. Just sent along to meetings. Sent along to Sunday school and to church. But I was so sheltered. And I want to say tonight, I am so glad that the parents that I have are my parents. Because they were good to me. And I had a, I had a happy childhood. And whenever I went up through primary school and through high school, I used to try to, to flirt with sin. I'm sure you know what I mean whenever I say that. I'm sure every single one of us in this meeting, we, 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 we've played with sin in our life. And just like a fire, we, we put our hand as close as we can, and then you get burnt. And you pull it back. And just like at the edge of a cliff, you, you maybe walk and see how far you could go. And then you take a step too far and you go over. And, and sin began to get a hold in my life just as a young man. Just as a young man. I wonder is there a young man in this meeting tonight and sin is getting a grip of your life. Because sin has a mighty strong grip. Very strong. You know, I hated school. My mother was a school teacher and I hated it. I was glad the day whenever I finished all the GCSEs. In fact, there were some exams I never even went to do. Glad to get away from it all. All I wanted was to get my car and get away. And this was the word that burned in my heart as a young boy at 16, turning 17, was freedom. Freedom. Oh, I'd love to have a car. I wouldn't have to go to the meeting soon. I would love to get a car that my mother and father wouldn't know what I'm doing. Just to get away. Do you ever feel like that? Whenever I finished school, I went to tech. Started to do a course for plumbing. Got the car test. 
Remember getting my first car, it was a five-door Ford Fiesta. I think I had it three months and I wrote it off at a lamppost. One of many. And I want to tell you, dear friends, whenever I began to go that road away from God, the way of the transgressor is hard. It's hard. And maybe there's a young person in this meeting tonight and you do things your parents don't know about. You do things that no one else knows anything about and you've been covering it over for so long. And all the time that Stephen Riddle was on the run from God, I wasn't aware that the eyes of the Almighty were upon me. Watching. The writer to the Hebrews said, All things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And I got out into the world, got a little, little bit of freedom, got a little bit of liberty. I used to have an old 306 and the back of it was written on it, no smoke, no poke. And I used to go around Cookstown and I used to drive my car and handbrake and rally and do all the things that I used to do. You know, dear friends, there was a day in my life, whenever I had the car test, I remember taking young, some young fellas to a pub, dropping them off. Oh, I, I'll not drink, I'll just take you and I'll drop you off and I'll lift you later on. And you know, I did that for a few weeks and then I says, well, I'll, I'll park the car and I'll come in. And then I would park the car and I would go into the nightclubs and after a while I wouldn't drive at all. There was a drink that was set before me. And I went down a path for four and a half years and I can say I broke the heart of my mother and father and I broke the heart of the Lord. Sin. Because sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. And it's just like the ivy that grows at the bottom of a tree. It starts small, but it grows around the tree and round and round, And it'll kill it. It'll smother. And I'm going to tell you some things tonight that I've never told anybody from a pulpit, but I'm going to tell them tonight, just for the glory of the Lord. Just out the listen road, sitting on a hard shoulder of a, down a lane, sitting in my car, there's a fellow sat beside me, and he, he handed me a tablet. And I says, I'm not taking that. No way. Oh, I don't mind drinking and I don't mind even smoking the odd little cigarette, but I'm definitely not going to do that. But you know, dear friends, after five or ten minutes, Stephen Riddle had that tablet down his throat. And Stephen Riddle was getting deeper and deeper and deeper, just like you are tonight. You're getting deeper. And for those years, I went in and done as much sin as I could indulge myself in all the pleasures of the world. But the Word of God says the pleasures of sin, they're only for a season. And young man, tonight in the meeting, you could be riding the crest of the wave of sin. You could be enjoying it so well and your parents don't know, no one else knows. But the season of sin will soon be over. It'll soon be over. And I was enjoying the season of sin. Remember coming home on Friday nights, getting changed, putting a change of clothes on, maybe not coming home till Monday morning. Maybe, maybe come back on a Saturday night early in the morning just to get a bit of money. And I remember coming in and many times, I remember seeing my mother on her knees, praying. Remember many times just going away and no one would know where I am or what I was doing, but all the time God was watching. Be sure your sin. We'll find you out. 
It'll find you. In those years I went into the world and did all that I could. The word of God says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But, but the end. But the end are the ways of death. Standing one night in one of the, club, one of the clubs not far away from my home, out for a birthday party of a friend, standing beside him on the other side of the footpath. There's a fella come over and hit him. And that night he went down. And that young fella, 21 years of age, is out in eternity tonight because of that one punch. And there's many times when Stephen Riddle was in scraps and all the rest of it. And that could have been me. Could have been you. And all those times whenever I was on the run from God, all I can tell you, dear friends, is this somehow the Lord had his hand upon me. And I'm glad tonight for the goodness of God that leadeth men and women to repentance. But you're in this meeting tonight and you're still on the run. And you're still on the crest of the wave and you're still enjoying your sin. But I want to tell you, dear friends, God can pull the handbrake very quick. He can pull the handbrake very quick. It was 2010, 22nd of February, after a wild weekend, stand down listening to ski, smoking my last regal filter, blowing the smoke into the air, not a care in the world, just enjoying the sin and enjoying all of my life and all of the indulgence that I can fill my life with, no thought of God, no thought of eternity, no thought of the judgment to come. Just smoking my last regal filter down the wee house outside in the, in the 30 mile an hour in Listenski. Suddenly, there suddenly a thought came into my mind that I have never been the same since I thought it. Stand in the wee living room, I go down to it once a year, it's just going like this. If I died now, I am not right with God. Did you ever think of that? Did you? And I remember smoking that regal filter and I stood. If I died now, I'm not right with God. I'll tell you, dear friends, I wasn't basing my salvation on a profession at eight years of age. And I walked up and down that house all day. I hadn't been in church for a long time. I had my blonde hair and my rings and my eyebrows. All the baggage of sin and walked up and down. If I died now, I wouldn't be right with God. If I died now, I wouldn't be right with God. If I died now, I wouldn't be right with God. And I remember saying, Lord, if you spare me till I get home tonight, I'm going to get this sorted out. And I got home. And I can honestly say in those four and a half years with all of the fighting and all of the troubles and all of the turmoil of sin, I never shed a tear once. Never did. Hard as the road. Remember my mother and father crying over me at times and staring me in the face, saying to me, you're going to destroy your life. The devil's destroying you. Didn't care. Hard as the road. But I want to tell you that Monday night, whenever I got home, I went down to my wee room. I got down beside my bed and I want to tell you there's tears coming out of my eyes that night. 
And I remember getting down beside that old bed with all the regalia of sin beside it. And this is what I prayed. I'll tell you what it was. I got down like this. The tears would to God that would come out of my eyes tonight the way they come out then. And I just says, Lord, Lord, will you do something with this life? Lord, will you help me? I didn't use the big theological prayer. I didn't see angels. I never, seen a, never, never heard a bang. Nothing spectacular happened. But I want to tell you, dear friends, tonight I got down on my knees that night as a drunkard with drug, drugs and all the rest of it. And I got up onto my feet, a man that was changed by the grace of God. And I got something that night that religion can't do. I got something that night that making New Year's resolutions can't do or turning over a new leaf can't do. I got something that psychologists can't do for you. Doctors can't do for you. The police can't do for you. You know what happened that night? I had an encounter with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm basing my salvation on tonight, that night. And I sat up in my bed that night with the tears coming down my face. And all I can say, there's one word that came into my mind. Was peace. Peace. I'll tell you, dear friends, all the pills and all the coke and all the meth and all the grass and all the drink, there was one thing I never got in all those years was peace. And you'll not get it either. You'll not get it. And I remember just sitting there beside my bed saying, Lord, I don't know what has happened, but I feel as if I've just, I've, I've just been totally transformed. And then the devil came. And this is what he said. What about the friends? <laughs> what about the friends? Wonders at your friends that are holding you back. I'll tell you, dear friend, tonight in this meeting, young man, young woman, whoever you are, your friends will take you to hell, but they'll not laugh yet. They'll not laugh yet. And even as you sit in the seat tonight, it's only the grace and the providence of God that you're not out in hell already. And he's brought you to this meeting to speak to you, to save you tonight, that what he's done for me, he can do for you. And the old enemy came and he says, Stevie, what about the friends? What are you going to do? I want to tell you something about those friends. They were good friends. We fought together. We, we ate together. We went away together. For four and a half years, there's one man and I've seen him every day for four and a half years. He's like my brother. Done everything together. Spent the nights with him. Spent time together. Did everything together. He's just like my, my family. And I remember going up to that fellow's house. I owed him ten pounds. And I says, well, I'll do, what I'll do is I'll drop the money into his house and I'll go home. I'll not need to see him. Duking. Duking. And I remember going up the lane and I had the money and I put it on top of the unit. And he was actually sleeping at the time and I didn't wake him. I put the money on top of the unit and I went home and I texted him and says, I left that money for you on the top of the unit. And then I added at the end of the message, it said, John, I can't live the way I've been living anymore. Send. Well, I want to tell you, dear friends, I never knew a man to ring back as quick in all of my life. The phone began to ring straight away. I looked at it, and his name came up. What am I going to do? What would you do? Well, I remember getting that phone, and I remember saying, hello? 
Ah, he says, come on up and we'll have a wee word with you. Now you have to remember there's things that I was doing weren't good. There was baggage that I had that was still there. And I remember going up to a place where we used to, we used to drink for many a night in the car. And there used to be maybe about 12, 13 cars all lined together. The windows all down. And I remember driving out the country road that night. It was maybe about half nine, ten o'clock. It was the loneliest drive I've ever had in my life. Diving out and says, I wonder have I done the right thing. A few bags of cannabis here, the cigarettes there, all the, all the drugs there. I remember going out and there was a row of cars just sitting waiting on me. I remember driving down. And every single one of those boys laughed me in the face that night. Everyone. And here's Stephen Riddle, the, the rebel. Here's Stephen Riddle, the man that enjoyed the, the pleasures of sin, didn't fear anyone, just went mad. He's sitting in a car on his own and the devil's laughing at him. He says, you're a fool. You've lost it all. And all the boys laughed. Riddle, you're a fool. You're a fool. There was one fella that didn't laugh and he was the fella that rang me. There was a tear came out of his eye that night and he says, Stevie, if this is the way you want to go, you go. And I remember sitting in that car park in that bit of a lay-by. And I remember just looking up to the hedge, just it was a dark, it was way on, maybe half ten, eleven now, dark night. And there's an old bit of a tree, and I've never told any man this. And it was the most beautiful thing that I ever saw. The moon was just coming from behind it. And you know what shape the tree was in? It was the shape of a cross. Friend, I want to tell you tonight, you need to get to the cross. And you're in this meeting and you're going down and you've been fighting with God and you said, Lord, but I'm good enough. And, but God, I've got my church. And, but God, I'm a Protestant or Presbyterian or a Catholic. But you're going down. And I want to tell you, friends, you need to get to the cross. You need to get to the cross. Because it was there the sinless, spotless Lamb of God died for you. And all our sin was laid on Him. And all the filthy sin that I have committed... I'm glad that he bore it on his own body on the tree. I remember they all went home that night and Stevie Riddle was sitting in the car and started her up. There was an old Citroen Azara, a heap of scrap. I remember chugging down the road and says, well, what's life all about now? What's it all about? No friends. No more drink, no more drugs, nothing to do. And I didn't, remember not, I didn't tell my mother and father for a week. Couldn't tell them. How could I tell this man and this woman that I have broke their heart for years? How could I tell them? How could I tell them that I got right with God and there was an old proud thing in me that wanted to fight to the very end? And I want to tell you, I remember my mother coming to me and she can keep me right if this is not right. But I remember she came to me and she could tell me the very day that I got right with God. A week later, she says, I knew the day. There's a change. Something happened. And I want to tell you that from that very night, that Monday night, I've never took a pill since. I want to tell you I've never been the same. I want to tell you that the lies have gone and the filthy tongue is gone. Born again by the Spirit of God, old things pass away and all things became new. I wonder, is that what you have?
Or I wonder tonight, are you holding on to some wee prayer that you made? And you'll hold on to it to the bitter end because you wouldn't be humble enough to say that it's not real and you'll go to a lost eternity holding on to a profession. Now it was 2010. I remember starting to go to the meetings. I remember going out to the Brantry. I remember working down, down in Sandvik, down in Balagali. And I used to go out to the Brantry most nights with a fly rod in my hand. Used to sit on the little jetty and hang my feet over the end with a little sandwich and used to sit maybe to 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning just casting the line. All the friends were gone. Started to go to the meetings. Started to go to a prayer meeting over in Cookstown. Started to go to church on Sunday morning. Started to go to church on Sunday night. And everybody's saying, Stevie Riddle's back with God. Stevie Riddle's got right with the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, I went through 2010 just going to meetings for a whole year. God brought me to another crisis. It's as real to me as the day down Lissenski. It was New Year's Eve. Just going from 2010 into 2011. It was the first New Year's Eve that I ever spent in the house on my own. It was the first year that I ever had nothing to do on a New Year's night. And I remember sitting down in my room. And this is the thought that came into my mind. I says, God, is all Christianity about just going to church? Is that all it's about? You see, whenever I was in Sandvik, the boys used to ask me, what do you do now? And I used to say, well, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do that, I don't do that. But what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? And I remember getting down to my knees again, and I want to tell you, dear friends, that was a night when God began to work in my life. And I remember getting down on my knees, and this is what I prayed. I said, God, if all Christianity is is going to church and not doing things, I don't want it anymore. That's a big prayer to pray. And I remember getting the phone out of the pocket and walked up and down the room and I could get drugs off him, I could get drugs off him, drugs off him, drugs off him. And I says, Lord, if you don't do something in my life, I don't want this old dead Christianity. I wonder is it how dead Christianity you have. I wonder is it just an old dead half-baked thing that you have. Just something with no life where God's not real. Or where you sing the hymns and you say the verses and you quote the cliches, but there's no vital reality of God in your life. That's the way I was for a whole year. <laughs> and all I can tell you, dear friends, after that night, God began to take a dealing with me. You know, I had stole diesel off F.B. McCann for four years. You can work that out yourself. All the drives up and down to the port. All the laps around Cookstown. All the times we're driving here and there, got it all for nothing. But I want to tell you one day on my knees, I remember God laying in my heart. He says, Stevie, I've forgiven you. But F.B. McCann definitely hasn't. And I remember going down to the Kern, down outside Mockerfeld. I went down in my wee car. And I chugged my way the whole way down and went into the office and I said, I want the, want the head man. You can't get him, he's an ing. Well, I says, I want to tell you something. I've been stealing diesel off you boys for four years and none of you knew anything about it. An old quarry away up at the other side of, of Arthur, I remember crawling under the gate many a night with two drums in my hand and going away down to the bottom of the, 
way down to the bottom of the quarry. And there's an old pump there for pumping the water out of the quarry. And there was red diesel on it. And I went down and I pumped it with my hand. Filled the car. I had to go back to that man and I had to write him a check. And he was very gracious. But I want to say to you, dear Christians, tonight in this meeting, if you've stolen anything from any man, let me tell you, God will forgive you, but you need to go and get it right. You need to get it right. And I remember praying, Lord, surely you wouldn't have me to go, back, go down and see this man. This couldn't be right, Lord. And it was just like the Lord was laying in my heart, Stephen, if you want to go through with me, you'll need to do everything that I tell you to do. And it's a costly thing, I can tell you. It's costly. And I remember coming up that road and some brothers mentioned that it was the word restitution. Restitution. I remember getting down on my knees so it just was like getting saved all over again. Just the joy. Lord, I did it. Ah, but you told a lie about your woman up the road. You need to go and see her. <laughs> Tell you. I didn't hear anybody preaching on this. I wasn't reading the book about, uh, and the Lord says, you need to do this, this, this. No, no, no. God was just starting to work in my heart. And I remember a wee woman up the road. I told a lie about her. I told, told people that she owed me money when she didn't. You know why I had to go up to that wee woman and she's a Christian? And I says, I am very sorry for telling lies about you. And she went every color of the rainbow and the last color she went was white. And then she put her arms around me and she says, Stephen, I forgive you. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Any Christians in this meeting, you tell lies? Tell lies, do you? Maybe you've told lies about your farm accounts. Maybe you've told lies about your textbook. Maybe you've told lies about, oh, so many things. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth them and forsaketh them shall have mercy. I remember going to walk whenever I was running, running about. I remember walking up the ladder on road, top road of the mountain. And looked into a man's yard and there was an old Reynolds savannah sitting there. I don't know if you haven't seen them or not. A big bus of a thing. Big long thing. And the keys were in her. And whenever I was running about, well, I just jumped over to her and got into her. Drove around the field, 40, 50, 60 men there, bang, straight into the tree. Got out and ran away. But I want to tell you, friends, whenever I got right with God, whenever I began to pray, Lord, is there anything in my life? And after I got the diesel sorted, and after I told, got that lies that I told about that woman sorted, I remember the Lord saying, you, you wrecked that man's car, and he still doesn't know who did it. God did. I remember driving up the ladder on road. And I remember coming down the road and who came towards me? Only the man. He was in the tractor. And it was his car I rode off. And I stopped the car and pulled the handbrake. And I got up into the cab of the tractor, opened the door. I says, Tom, Tom, let me tell you something. You see that old round savannah that you had that was rode off and you looked out and she was in the middle of a tree? I did it. I did it. And God has forgiven me, Tom, but will you forgive me? And I thank God that man was gracious enough to forgive me. Restitution. Restitution. Maybe you've been in a shop and you lifted something out of the shop and you put it in your pocket. Shopkeeper doesn't know, but God knows. You had to go back. 
That'll go back. Maybe you were in a farm and you lifted a round bale and nobody knows anything about it. God knows. You had to go back. You had to go back. Maybe there's someone in this meeting tonight and you wouldn't shake hands with them, you wouldn't look them in the eyes and you've told lies about them, you've scandalized them up the country and then you went home and you said, God, forgive me, and he has, but they haven't. I want to tell you, dear friends, revival will come when men and women, God's people, start to get restitution. I remember the day whenever I got down on my knees. It took me several years. I got down on my knees and began to pray. And there was nothing. Nothing to do. Took me years to get it right. Cost me a fortune to put it right. But I want to tell you, dear men and women, there's some things that the Lord Jesus Christ will never take away. He'll take away your sin. But I want to tell you that you'll need to deal with your past. Things that are stolen, things that are not right, you'll need to go back. Things that you can't put right. And all the joy of the day whenever I got down on my knees and began to talk to the Lord. And there was nothing but joy and peace came into my life. It was that very time that the Lord began to put a burden in my heart for souls. I can't explain it. It was that very time that God began to put a hunger in my heart for prayer and for the word of God. I remember being in that meeting, and Bertie doesn't even know about this. We were in that meeting one time, and we were, we were shorting out, a, David Ravenhill was coming. And I was sitting just near enough where Francis was sitting there. And I remember being in that meeting, and I, God told me to get out and go home. Just go home. This has never happened to me before. And I went home and I was driving down the Coolrix, down the, the Dungannon Road, and there was a verse of scripture went into my mind, Galatians 4, Galatians 4 and 9. Galatians 4 and 9. And I remember going home and I got my Bible and went down to the room and I turned to Galatians 4 and 9. Began to read it on my knees. And this is what it says. Why turn ye to the weak and the beggarly elements of the world? Ye observe days and months and years. I am afraid of you, lest ye labor in vain. Now that doesn't maybe mean anything to you here tonight. But I want to tell you for one year, I finished my work. I was working in Dungannon Park driving a forklift for a firm that sold health and safety stuff. And for one year, God put me into my wee room in my bedroom my mother and father can tell you some time about it. I remember getting up in the early hours of the morning just to read the word. I remember, this is maybe sounds silly to you, but I remember taking the mattress off the bed. And I remember many a night just sleeping on the, on the boards in the bed. Just so that I would get up early in the morning to meet with God. I remember setting the alarm and I used to put it in the box and lock the key and put the key up in the kitchen. So by the time I woke up, got up to the key, opened the box, I was woke up and I used to get down on my knees and spend time with God. I remember listening to sermons from morning to night. I remember walking the fields and just talking to God and there was something came into my life in those years. It was a vital reality that God is real. God is real. God is real. I remember just spending time with the Lord. I remember reading books like John Hyde. 
Remember reading books like uh, Why Revival Tarries and Reese Howells and, uh, and about Amy Carmichael and men and women and went through with God and there was a hunger started to grow in my heart. Lord, I just don't want to be saved. I want to do something for God. I wonder if you've ever been there. And I can look back to that year in my life. It was probably the most precious time that I can look back to. I remember walking the road Remember the Lord told me to go and do the neighbours up and down the road. These were the neighbours that had seen Stephen Riddle and the drinking. These, this was the people that had seen Stephen Riddle racking the roads and annoying the police and annoying everybody. I remember putting tracks in my hand and knocking the doors. I remember going to every door and says, you know, I'm saved now. There's a wee gospel track. The Lord wants to save you. I remember going to the next door. Up and down the road, done all the houses. Saying, Lord, will you begin to move in men and women's lives? A hunger for souls. I wonder, do you have a hunger for souls? I wonder, does it concern you that men and women all around you are perishing and dying and going out into a lost eternity? And maybe you have a neighbor and they don't even know that you're saved. Somebody that you work with, you've never told them that they're perishing. Never told them of their need of a Savior. Never told them that the Lord Jesus died for them. Oh, I want to tell you, dear friends, whenever I began to just do what the Lord told me to do, it is a precious thing. God wants to do it for you. You know, the years went on. Started to do a little bit of open airs, and it's all because of God. Not one thing is all is because of me. It's all because of him. I remember reading one morning, I was working down the house in Lurgan. I remember reading in Joshua chapter 3. And this is what the word of God said to Joshua. Sanctify yourselves, for I will do a great work tomorrow among you. Well, I says to myself, I wonder, Lord, what, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you, dear friends, I, I know what it means because the next day I met Charlotte. And I've paid for it ever since. <laughs> and you know the Lord has been good to the two of us. He's been good. Charlotte was diagnosed with epilepsy whenever we were going out. We didn't know anything about it. I remember sitting in a meeting. She took a turn. I didn't know what to do. Just twitching. Then she got up and ran out. Maybe it happened four, four times a day. I says, Lord, Lord, is this from you? Charlotte's sisters in the back, she'll tell you. And Charlotte was over in England at the time. And I remember praying and seeking the Lord. And it says, Lord, if this is from you, I'm not going to ask you to take it away. But if, the, if you want a healer, you show me. And I was reading in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9. And Charlotte was reading the very same chapter that day. Whenever the Lord was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he came down and he had Peter, James and John. And there was a father and a son. It says he was a lunatic. Cast himself into the fire and into the water. And the Lord said, this kind come but by prayer and fasting. And I remember getting down on my knees and said, oh God, this is a word from heaven. I remember seeking the Lord and Charlotte began to do the same. And I want to tell you, dear friends, it was just shortly after that and Charlotte hasn't had a turn since. I want to tell you God is real. God is real. 
and you're in this meeting tonight and you're not saved and you're holding on to an old dead empty profession and all the devil has done, he's robbed you. He's come to kill, to steal and destroy. But the Lord Jesus says, I am come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. He's the one that's able to break the power of cancel sin and set the prisoner free. But you don't want him. You don't want him. The master has come. And he calleth for thee. I wonder who it is. Is it you? Is he calling for you tonight? We got married. 2017. And I was just sitting down where Gordy is on the 17th of September, 2017. We were just married. And Jerry Nugent was in this pulpit. And Jerry Nugent was preaching the gospel. And I got a little van on the road, started to do a little bit of plumbing, started to do a little bit of garden, making good money, bills to pay, had a wife to look after. And on the 17th of September, 2017, sitting down where Gordy is, Jerry Nugent in this very pulpit, you know what he said? He says, there's a young man in this meeting tonight, and you've substituted the will of God for an enterprise. And that was me. That was me. And if you'd have got a hymn book and smacked it over my head, oh, I tell you, that, that word just went into my heart. You're substituting the will of God for an enterprise. And no one else in this meeting knew anything about it. And I remember going home that night and Charlotte wasn't here. I remember going home that night and I got down on my knees and I said, God, you can't do this to me. You cannot do this. I don't, I don't mind getting saved and I don't mind surrendering and giving my ambitions and my time. I don't mind doing all. But Lord, you can't tell me to go out into full-time work. You can't do it. Lord, I have a house and a, a wife to look after. I have bills to pay. And all I want to tell you, dear men and women, for weeks after that, God started to speak to me about the call of God in my life. I remember working at a man's sink one day. He said to me, he says, Stephen, what do you do? What are you going to do with your life? And I remember getting so frustrated, I fired the tools into the toolbox, fired them into the back of the car, and just went into the room and locked the door and spent the whole day just before God saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Have you ever asked God that? There's some of you in this meeting, you've been saved for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and you don't know the will of God for your life. You're just coasting. You're just wasting your time. The night cometh when no man can work. The judgment seat's coming. The beam is coming. We'll give it an account of our money and our time and of our tithe, everything. And God has got something for you, dear men and women, to do. There's a dying world out there. He'd love to take you and use you. And I remember remonstrating with God for months and months, saying, Lord, you can't do this. Lord, you can't get me to leave my work. I wasn't at Bible college. There is nobody going to pay me. Lord, you can't do this. How am I going to feed my wife? How am I going to look after my home? What's my, what's my mother-in-law and father-in-law going to think? And all the arguments going through my mind. And I remember one night, it was a Thursday night in that prayer meeting. I came home and I could tell you the very spot in the road in Dungan. It was just as you go by the chapel. And I said to Charlotte, I said, Charlotte, dear, you go to bed tonight. Because me and the Lord's going to have this out. I'm going to sort this out. I want to know the will of God for my life. 
And I would pray that every man and woman would leave this meeting tonight and get on your knees and say, Lord, I want to know your will. I don't want to miss it. Don't miss it. And I began to read the word of God. And this is the word that came to my heart. I want you to listen to it. And this is how I know that God speaks. If we wait and get alone with him, we can hear the voice of the Almighty. This is the word that I began to read. Seemeth it a small thing unto you, that the God of Israel has separated you from among the congregation to bring you near unto himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, that ye may stand before the congregation and minister unto them. That's some work. Some work. And I was just like Gideon. I says, Lord, I need another word. I need another word. And I remember the next day I got my Bible and was reading in Second Chronicles 29 and 11, My son, be not now negligent, for the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him to serve him, that ye should minister unto him. Big stuff. And I remember telling Charlotte, and Charlotte, thank God, was fully behind me. Didn't tell my parents. Didn't tell anybody. There was one man, and he lives across the road from me, and he hates the gospel. He hates it. I remember going across to Davy, and I hope he's listening to this tonight. I went across to Davy, and I says, Davy, you do a wee bit of gardening work? He says, I do. He says, I says, I'll give you all of my work for nothing. You take the whole lot. And I says, Davy, all I can tell you is God has called me to do something. I don't even know what it is I have to do. But Davy, if you don't see me ever again coming back, looking this work off you, I want to tell you, Davy, that there's a God in heaven that's providing for me and you need to get saved. And I have never been across the road yet to ask that man for the work back. In fact, the first Sunday morning, I came through those doors and me and Chart. I says, Lord, will you speak to us? And there's a man, he's in the meeting tonight. He doesn't know this very day. He put a wee envelope in my hand. God began to supply the need. The God of heaven began to supply the need. To meet the need. I want to tell you, dear friends, although Charlotte works three days a week, she doesn't pay a bill in my house. I want to tell you that God pays my electric. I want to tell you that God pays my insurance in my car, the diesel. I want to tell you that he pays the rates. I want to tell you he pays every utility bill in our house. God is real. God's real. And there's some of you dear folk tonight and you're not saved and the devil's deluded you and you're deceived and you're going down to hell. There's some of you in this meeting and you're saved for years and God has gifted you. You're not big enough to step out of the boat. You're not big enough to step out of the boat. I'll tell you dear friends, it's not about me and how good a faith I have or how big I am. I'll tell you it's all because of God. The goodness of God. The mercy of God. You know, I have a lovely mother-in-law. She's not saved. Pray for her every day. There's a thing. In our house, she broke the other day. Broke it back. Cost a lot of money. Charlotte rang her. Tears started to come out of my mother-in-law's eyes. She says, I'll be down in the mor- morning to give you the money for that. 
I want to tell you, before Irene Hearn got to my door the next day, God had sent a man with the exact amount of money. I want to tell you, friends, God is real. God is real. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss what God has for you. Our brother told a story a few years ago in the pulpit here, and it went into my heart. Alan Redpath, a young man that went to a convention, heard the message of save soul, wasted life. Got into the train to go home wherever he was living, and whenever the wheels of the train hit the, hit the bars, you know, all he could hear was save soul, wasted life. Save soul. Wasted life. Save soul. Wasted life. And I want to ask you a question tonight, dear men and women, as I come to a close. Are you a safe soul but a wasted life? Save soul, wasted life. Save soul but a wasted life. And you've no passion and no burden, and that was the thing that concerned me, Lord, of a fruitless, passionless, burdenless, loveless life. And I want to tell you whenever you come to the altar, friends, Whenever you put your ambitions before him and say, Lord, I don't want my desires, your desires, Lord. Lord, it's not what I want anymore. I put my home on the altar. I put my wife on the altar. I put my children on the altar. I put my fame and my ambitions all on the altar. Lord, do with me whatever you want to do. I'll tell you, friends, God will start to use you. God will start to use you. But don't have a saved soul and a wasted life. There's many regrets that I have. But there's one regret that I don't have. I never regret that day down listening to ski. I never regret that night on a Monday night in February 2010 saying, Lord, take my life. I don't know if it is an old false profession or not. Maybe it was saved. Maybe, but Lord, I want to make sure. Lord, will you do, what, do with me? Change my life, Lord. I'm glad I prayed that prayer. But what about you tonight? Just don't, don't be thinking about me now. I, I just want to, I would love to bring you up here. If I was to get down off this pulpit and walk over and say, come, come you up here a minute and you, you tell these people where you are with God. What would you have to say? Something maybe 30 years ago? Some old dead dry thing that no life, power? Or could you have a testimony that's up to date? The master has come and he calleth for thee. Maybe there's someone here tonight and the call is out of salvation and you're not saved. All oh, your parents are saved and your family saved, but you're not. And if you died at this very moment, you would go down into the flames of a lost eternity and you'd be lost, lost. Oh, would you not come to Jesus tonight? Would you not say, Lord, will you save me? Take my whole life. I'll tell you, he'll save you in the very seat where you sit. Maybe there's someone here and it's a call of surrender that's coming to your heart. You've lived your life long enough the way you want to. You've spent your money the way you want to. God has had a very little part in your life. Oh, you're saved and you're on your way to heaven. But he doesn't control you. There's no joy, no power, no passion. Oh, he'd maybe call you today like that old lovely hymn of our brother Noel Grant. 
above thine own ambitions here. Another voice is sounding clear. It is the call of God to thee. O leave thine all and follow me. The price is high, severe the test. For those who would enjoy God's best, surrender all and take the road with those that will go through with God. Go through with God. Thy vows to pay and all upon the altar lay. The Holy Ghost will do the rest. And lead thee into God's very best. I wonder is there someone here and God's given you the call of service. Saying I want you to serve me. I want you to give me your, your whole life. God, you know, you know. And you've been fighting and you've been holding back. The master has come. And he calls for thee.